Hello and welcome back to the Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lulu. And we are delinquents in our episodes, so we apologize for that. We apologize. Mostly it's my fault. It's entirely my fault. I look back with no regrets. <laughs> I got I, like I got panicked about a two-hour episode and frozen my editing responsibilities. So hopefully we're back on track. Um, we're recording this. <gasps> Behind the curtain on Super Bowl Sunday at halftime. I just watched the halftime show, so I don't know who's going to win the the Super Bowl game. I'd say that like I don't watch football. I do indeed watch football. I just I don't. don't I just don't care about football if the Forty ers aren't playing. So, but I did just find out that the Eagles had never won the Super Bowl, and the Patriots seem to be winning all of the Super Bowls. So I am um, go for the underdog. Yes, going for the underdog who at the moment is handling themselves admirably. That's what I will say. I'm not even going to spoil it. I'm not even going to say if they're in the lead or not. Um, quick thoughts, quick takes on the Justin Timberlake halftime show. Was that what it was? Yes. Okay. Um, I you think, you came in at the end. You I saw probably it, the last three minutes. I was the kid in the audience, so he throws a sweaty arm around while he's singing oh, right? and leering. It's, just, it's, just, I, no. it's like, take a selfie, dum-dum. Right. <laughs> Uh, Maybe this kid really doesn't like Justin Timberlake and he didn't want to take a selfie with him. They opened... That kid was young enough to not know who Justin Timberlake was. That kid looked about 11. Um, And sorry, Justin, but... He's passing to that age. Yes. Um, They opened on the song that he last performed at the Super Bowl, which was a little disrespectful to me, since even though Janet Jackson's quote wardrobe malfunction had nothing to do with her breast and everything to do with his hand but she's banned and he's cool to come back wait how does that work it's not her breast it's his hand well think about what happened did her breast rip the bra off of off of it no it would have been but that is not what happened like a super moon so the breast area he ripped that thing off, whether it was a thing that they planned to do, mm-hmm. which I think it was. It looked like it. But... I can barely remember. It was such a long time ago. It was a very long time ago, but you know who's banned from performing at the Super Bowl? Uh, Justin Timberlake? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> think more female and more brown. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, give me a second. So he opened on that song, which I was a little bit like, really, we're doing this? And then he had like a weird Prince tribute, which I guess in Minneapolis, a year after his passing, you kind of have to do. But yeah. And it wasn't a hologram, which... I'm happy to hear that. Prince was like, never hologram me. So I'm glad that it wasn't a hologram, but it was hologram-like. Uh, I don't know, yes. Michael Jackson, a hologram performing Well, and Tupac. Really? Yeah, like Coachella or something? Uh, Yeah. Speaking of which, I just saw a preview for the Tupac Biggie crime show that they've got coming out. Oh, okay. And it literally is like, the number of seconds in this commercial is the number of seconds, or the number of years that their case has been opened, which is accurate. It's been open for a long time. Yeah. It was fine. He... Through the mic more than he sang into it. So what do you mean? I mean, there I mean, was imagine that I'm old. large I'm old. stretches of the performance where no one was singing. It was all background, uh-huh. or I mean, 
it's also possible that every single thing we heard was recorded, which right. wouldn't surprise me. It's a large, it's a large stadium, a large audience, and you don't want to mess it up. I get it, lip syncing, so that's fine. But for the first seven minutes of that performance, there could have been nobody, and it I could have just been dancing. Was thinking because he was um, running up the stadium. Well, yes, sort of also that, but much dancing, mm-hmm. but much throwing of the mic. I'm like, well, if you don't need it. <laughs> right. like, it's like, it's cool that you can flip it, I guess, like mm-hmm. a weird clown, but I don't know. He's fine, whatever. I prefer his wife to him. What have you watched recently that... You didn't hate, maybe. Uh, I, <laughs> I didn't. didn't hate. I didn't hate the halftime show. It was meh at best. I didn't. Well, let's see. Yes, lately it's been distinguished mostly by watching things that I hate. Oh, I have watched some really. I, I've been catching up on really old environmental terror movies. Oh, fun! And that's kind of. Are we doomed? Um, well, they're old ones. So I uh, I was watching Tentacles, and last I felt inspired to watch at least part of Grizzly. Those it, are environmental horror movies? Right, because in the wake of Jaws, mm-hmm. there was a lot of people trying to cash on the production, so killer bears, killer octopus. Oh, that's um, what you mean. I think you. I, I think of things like The Day After Tomorrow, or some of the, or Geostorm, which uh, I have not seen, no. where you mean like... Monsters, right? They're like, monster movies, but, but monsters Earth monsters. Are, there was a film that I'm going to catch up with, so Day of the Animals, where every animal in the woods just turns on people, everything from raccoons. But to monsters. like real animals, not like lava lantula or no, whatever. No. <laughs> or ice spider. Which yes, I found that was a thing. I think um, it fights the lava lantula at some side. At some well, there point, there was a wolf. What was it? A wolf shark versus octopus versus um, Terra something rather. It's sort of like a pterodactyl and But these a dog. movies that you're talking about are no, real these animals. Were, these were during the seventies. There was a big run on them, Orca about the killer whale. Mm-hmm. And I liked that one. That actually had a lot of thought behind it. It was a killer whale whose wife and children are murdered by Wife? Wife. Okay. And child are murdered by <laughs> a um yeah, I'm pretty sure it was that it's a Richard wife. Richard Harris and Oh no, Dumbledore, what are you doing? And he uh and the, the killer whale swears revenge. It like takes almost nearly a. Isn't a that basically like the fourth Jaws? Um, well, the fourth Jaws involved a voodoo curse, which was, oh, even was more it? ridiculous. But I thought that there was one where it went after because its family was. Right. And then uh, Roy Scheider was not going to come back for this movie. He didn't come back for anything. Good choice, dude. Good choice. And so it was like uh, the Lorraine Gary, who played his wife. And her kids are being chased by the shark in the, the Bahamas, and oh, Michael Caine and Mario Van Peebles have to rescue them. Or Melvin, then. Melvin. I think it was Melvin because Melvin I don't. Melvin. I think Mario would have been a small, small child at that point. Mm, maybe not. I don't know. I'll have to look that one up. But it was pretty. It was bad. It was really bad. Was and, that the fourth one? Yeah, Michael Caine uh, is famous because for he wasn't attending the Academy Awards that year when he won. For I think Hannah and her sisters. Mm. He won the Academy Award. He, I was wrong. It's, it's Mario. Mario in, in dreads, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. So. Um, <laughs> oh, it's nineteen eighty-seven. That's right. why I thought it was a full decade before no, that. No, no. So Mario Van Peebles was a man at that we're, point. We're starting the Jaws franchise again with a, a horror element, but um, Michael Caine was not present to receive his Academy Award because he was on location filming Jaws and Revenge. Hey, it's my name. And he uh, uh, famously remarked, he was asked if he'd seen that movie because it was really bad. And he says, no, but I've seen the house that it bought. It's beautiful. 
Yeah, because fuck you. <laughs> I got paid. And that's Michael Caine's whole thing. He never says no. Well, he for, goes he and works. Now. He's more discriminating now, but... The thing he's was, an 80-something-year-old yes. man. He has to be. But remember, this is a guy who started out... Um, and he he has a rough story. I know. He, I was literally just saying that. <laughs> he was sleeping in a train station mm-hmm. with like another Tolstoy. suit in his uh, briefcase. And he would switch out the suit so no one would catch him. Um, and know that he was the guy, same guy sleeping in the train station. So We're going to talk about Michael Caine. We should really talk about him. Right. We'll watch The Hand. I've uh, already seen The Hand. That's a terrible, <laughs> that's a, that's a terrible movie. All right. So... We are seconds away from the end of our Twin Peaks slog. Which has been a commitment. Really been a commitment. Before we get right into the episode, which uh, is Laura's secret diary, let's go a little over what we think we're going to do next. So we're coming up to the end of this arc. We're going to watch through episode seven, and then I guess probably the season or the series finale, the original series finale. Mm-hmm. We're gonna watch through the arc, the Laura's Palmer, the Laura Palmer murder arc, mm-hmm. and close out the uh, series probably. And then we're going mm-hmm. to move on to do some one-offs. We're going to be watching some movies. What I thought might be good, if you are on board, mm-hmm. was we would watch the. Winners of the Best Picture Oscar from the time you were born through now. Any ones that... Um, I don't know. It might be interesting to actually re-experience them because it's been, in many cases, a long, a long time, time since I've seen them. I, I saw a lot of this stuff when I was taking film classes just as a comprehensive film history, and, and and so it'll be interesting to revisit them. I don't remember what all the Best Picture winners are. Yeah, and I thought we would start about... Uh, through our about our lives because mm-hmm. I looked at the old the older ones mm-hmm. um, and I feel like I have watched all of the best picture movies from prior to like 1968 mm-hmm. that I want to see okay not not I haven't seen all of them mm-hmm. but I have no desire to see most of the rest of them okay so I feel like to keep it in in a place where we're not dreading stuff um, we should start. Um, and I was thinking, you were born in 1969, mm-hmm. and 1969's Best Picture winner was Midnight Cowboy. Which is interesting. That'll be interesting to revisit that, because morality has changed a great deal. That movie was rated X at the time, mm-hmm. if I yes, recall, yeah. recall correctly. Um, and that's this is also in the time before like PG thirteen, which didn't right. exist until PG thirteen was created for Steven Spielberg, right? In the middle of the eighties, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for the second Indiana Jones movie, mm-hmm. I believe. Second Indiana Jones movie, and also for Gremlins. Oh, okay. Because they knew they were going to attract a young audience, and they needed to create a way of of sort of a soft R. Is essentially right. What it was. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And then there was NC seventeen for a while. Um, which I don't think you see anymore. At least I haven't seen one in a very long time. That someone's approached a film that way. Yeah. And then I just feel like we could probably just go and just do a big chunk. Mm-hmm. Um, the nice thing about, I think about doing movies is it'll be different every week. Right, exactly. And we're not going to get bogged down. And then we'll sort of be able to clear our palettes for each one yeah, and I, have I a feel fresh... I too, because I'm looking at 
how people are really devoted for Twin Peaks, and I'm beginning to feel a little bad that I just can't seem to fall into stuff with it. People I, who I respect who are just devoted to it. People, it's a David Lynch thing. Right. If you like what David Lynch does or love mm -hmm. what David Lynch does, which a lot of people do, right. then this is your jam, and that's awesome. I barely respect what David Lynch does. Mm. Like, I don't get it, and I and I kind of feel like he doesn't want me to get it, and he's lording it over me a little bit. And <laughs> so I get... Personally. I get it. Well, yeah, and that's why I don't really like it, I think, mm. is I sit at the end of the movies, and I'm just like, for what did I just watch this? Like, I don't feel like I learned a thing. I feel a little condescended to, mm. and I feel a little like he's playing keep away with me, and I don't enjoy it. I think I'm a little easier on him because I know a lot of the sort of references that he's putting into his films. Right. I mean, the last couple of episodes, we've had Royal Dano, well, in this yeah, one in this one. Uh, show up, all these sort of veteran character actors. Yeah. The fact that you have people like Piper Laurie and some of the cast of... of uh, uh, West Side Story. Yeah. And the fact that he is also sort of moving through this kind of Ross Hunter movie soap opera world. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. Sorry. I do appreciate. And also, some of his weirdness, I would love to see David Lynch do a full out horror movie. There's some directors I want to see working Yeah, on. I think that would be awesome if David he Lynch, could Alfonso do. Cuaron, there's some directors who have like horror touches to what they do. Right, but this man seems to have left narrative storytelling yes, exactly. in the past, which um, is fine, but I enjoy a narrative in my story. And mind you, this is something that we've been through before. We took a film class together, and you lost it with um, the French New Wave. Oh yeah, I did not enjoy it. Because um, the editing was so disjointed, and so you couldn't tell where you were in time and place, you couldn't tell when events were taking place. Which doesn't bother me mm -hmm. if none of that matters right. but he's telling like that particular story was the story of a reporter so right. that stuff does matter i just well i think in i felt it was style over substance it really was um you know i i, I didn't i remember uh writing in my um the test that I took for that class that it was an example of Gallic bitchiness. And that was kind of maybe bitchy in itself. Yeah, it seems like. <laughs> but it was just that kind of whining. There's a whole scene of whether or not the young man is going to talk the young girl into making love, and it just goes on forever. And it's edited to where it's supposed to be over the course of several hours, and it still goes on forever. Wait, and it's like he's just wearing her down. Right, that's exactly what it that's, is. And then also the scenes No where, girl wants to watch that. Right, and she is a really good actress who is just... I, I, Jean Seberg, if you see other films I that she's in, she's I feel like good. she was abused on the set of that movie. Um, I don't know. She was later on. Mm. I mean, at times she was that's very high in order to perform. Oh, no. So, um, but with this film, yeah, it was... So I know that you're not really good with experimental narrative. And about the furthest I can do is something like Pulp Fiction. After a while, I begin to lose patience with it myself. Yeah. Because I really want the story to... And David Lynch mm -hmm. and Quentin Tarantino, I think, have a lot in common. They do. Um, because they're also movie cinephiles. Right, so they're pulling from, a lot. And yeah. they're also putting together images to where if you don't realize the mnemonics they're using for film, 
you might not appreciate it at all. I just feel like that's like James Joyce, man. Like, right. tell your story. Right. And tell it in a way that conveys your story. Well, Don't people, rely right. on my PhD in film right. to understand your story. Like, I don't like that. I feel like it's... It winds up being almost it feels a like student. Yeah, it feels like um, student work more than... Right. And it's funny because there are some people who are great defenders of him. I think I still can appreciate him, but I don't... Which hymn are we talking about? Uh, let's uh, David Lynch. Okay. I can appreciate David Lynch's work. I can appreciate his weirdness. But there are times when it does not make it easy for me to follow it. It becomes less compelling. Yeah. I don't know what's going That's on. That's the thing. I'm falling out of the story. But if you're watching something like Twin Peaks, which is supposed to be a mystery, and we right. discussed this too, he's not playing fair with you because no. it, you know, he's, he's dropping clues. The clues don't mean anything, you know. And then we're introducing characters. Are we following a mystery or is it a supernatural mystery? Because physically impossible things happen over the course of the story. Characters suddenly change track midway through the, the, the story. And I'm thinking of the dad of the greaser kid, um, the military officer. Yeah. Who suddenly has become major this, yeah, Briggs. image of compassion and has these visions suddenly out of nowhere. And he's a completely different character than we started out with. So, and it's not done in a slow or gradual or realistic way. It's just abruptly he's another character. I had yeah. a dream, and in this dream I did this, and therefore now my entire persona has changed. Yeah, it's very strange. So, yeah, it is difficult for me to hold on to over the long term, and maybe David Lynch is not really an extended storytelling kind of person. Yeah. He might be somebody who's very good for this sort of like... Because um, I still think Blue Velvet was brilliant, but bizarre and horrible and all those other things. The Elephant Man is I a I don't mind the bizarre and horrible, mm. but I need... I'm in it for a story, and if mm. I'm not going to get a story, if I'm going to get a puzzle... Well, I'll tell you my thing. At this point, I don't know who killed Laura Palmer, and I've also got past the point of caring who killed Laura Palmer. Yeah, yeah, they've stretched this out... To a ridiculous Too length. much. I really think that maybe mm. third episode this season they should have just right. wrapped it. Um, if you don't want to do it on the premiere, fine. I get it. It's a soap opera thing. We know that you have soap opera leanings because of these oh, the um, soap opera, you things know, that we're watching. The soap opera. But we've mm. we've we're really pulling a day at a time. Isn't even mm. where we're at anymore. I think it's even less than that. Like each episode is less than a day long. Mm -hmm. So, or maybe not. Maybe it's still a full day. But you're still. I feel like we've just stopped moving. Like we've well, we're sitting in quicksand. It doesn't. A lot of his jumping back and forth in the end doesn't make any sense. You don't know where you are in space. It's, I suppose it's meant to be disjointed. But I think part of the dissatisfaction that was part of the uh, reflected in the lower ratings is that it's people join for a murder mystery and they're getting a soap opera. Yeah. And, so, and that would be uh, fine if you were also getting stuff for the murder mystery. Right. But you're kind of not at this point. Like, it's almost like they've forgotten that that's... Well, it's the, the, the comparison you made to the X-Files uh, last week or the week before was actually very apt, where there's a huge story arc that we're just, you know, retconning yeah. every couple of episodes. And I feel that a lot of that is done in this way. And I feel yeah. like they may have panicked when they got a second season. Right. I, yeah. I, I think David Lynch might have been perfectly happy to only mm -hmm. get that first season and have nobody ever know right. what happened. <laughs> he might have. I really feel like they got well, The fact that he went from this to making a film, which tied up loose ends, right. might have been what he had in mind. Right. 
Yeah, one season in a movie. It might have been. <laughs> All right, so let's. Why don't you read us the Wikipedia synopsis? That's going to be okay. just nothing. Really, yeah. <laughs> it's Laura's secret diary, right? <clears throat> yes, Laura's um, secret di- diary, episode twelve. Cooper and Truman arrest Leland after he confesses to the crime of murdering Jacques Renault in the hospital. Renault. Hank asks Norma to tidy up a double R diner when he's informed that a shady food critic named M. T. Wentz may be visiting Twin Peaks. Meanwhile, Jacques Renault shows a videotape of Audrey Horn being held captive to Ben, demanding $125,000 ransom for his return, for her return. And Cooper, to be the drop-off man, upon returning to One-Eyed Jacks, Jean murders Emery Battis for mistreating Audrey. With help from Truman, Cooper prepares to investigate Audrey's kidnapping. Josie returns, claiming to have been in Seattle on business. I'm sorry, that makes me laugh, because that was a ridiculous scene. Uh. Uh, learning from Pete that Catherine died in the Sano fire. Later, a Japanese businessman, Mr. Tojamura checks into the Great Northern Hotel. A man in a wig checks into the Great Northern Hotel. Yeah. So we open on like a very creepy image. It's, it mirrors the opening of Blue Velvet. Does it? Yeah. Tryptophobia is an intense fear of clusters of small holes or bumps. Strange. Okay. What do you think is the most common fear, just out of curiosity? Um, in uh, probably heights. Mm-hmm. Okay. Probably heights. In in civil in Western culture, quote unquote, mm. the civilized world, quote unquote, it's such bullshit. Um, fear of public speaking is a big one. Mm-hmm. I, I think though, primitive like lizard brain fears. Mm-hmm. Public speaking is not the thing. It's going to be things that kill you. So was, um, snakes yeah. and and heights are, are would be my guess. I thought it would be closed in spaces. Claustrophobia is pretty big. Yeah, maybe. Um, but one thing that I noticed is I have more arachnophobic friends than just about mm. anything. And I don't know why that's so common. And it Once causes... again, I, I'm I'm on board for arachnophobia. It's not an irrational fear. That spider could maybe kill you. Whoa. I don't like them because they have too many legs. Depending on where you are in the world, I guess. But um, but yeah, I, I was wondering about that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to no, you, that's fine. So there's that. That was the first thing I thought mm. was, oh, there are people who are going to hate this. Right. So we look like we're in a tunnel and we hear a, a little girl voice and it's the little it's the same Laura little girl voice, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Mm. And we pull out and these and, and we see very clearly ceiling tiles, but they're on the wall. There are ceiling tiles on the wall. They're wall tiles, I guess. They're in um the interrogation room at the right. police headquarters and they're I guess it's what Leland is hearing. Leland is um a little bit catatonic and he's being questioned. Uh, by Truman, and I believe Cooper is there. And they want to know did, if he killed Jacques Renault. And he he confesses because that man killed his baby. They do not tell him that that man did not kill his baby. Which is actually doing him a kindness. Yeah, because... that is the right call. He is very good in this. Ray Wise, the man who's been doing a lot of big he's acting. He's a veteran actor. Mm-hmm. He is, and he's a, a wonderful and he he but he talks about absolute loss and how it wasn't just grief it was absolute loss the loss of his baby and he, the the other the other piece of excellent acting in this scene though is cooper mm-hmm. um when he hears that if what, they ask why do you think this man killed your child and he's like it's because you put him under arrest mm. and you can see cooper's like the pain on cooper's face mm. like this is why we don't tell the families each step of the investigation. Exactly. Because he made possibly 
a, an understandable mistake, but it's a mistake that's going to cost him, you know, his freedom, and it costs this other man his life. So, yeah, the look on uh, on his face is yeah, very, very good. That was a really, it reflects the fact that uh, these are, for the, I mean, you know, the agent aside, the FBI, these are small town guys yeah. that pretend, I mean, the whole book house boys thing, their secret club. Right. They're just all live in sort of in the fantasy world, and then the real world just comes crashing in. Crashing into in it. on them, yeah. And, um, yeah, it, 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 that reflected, that scene reflected that. That they were not prepared for the kind of things that the consequences of this action in their little town. Right. Um, but Cooper should have been prepared, more prepared for consequences, but he's really coming to terms with consequences in general, I think. Right. That I think that might be like his learning arc right. of this show is what do you do and how does it impact other people. Other people. Right. So then we contrast this scene of very good acting by two veteran actors, or, you know, a veteran actor and a, he was relatively young at this mm-hmm. point, with a slapstick comedy scene of Andy asking if he can retake that sperms test. Right, and it just, yeah, that, that kind of went And on. then we have a whole thing where Andy is trying to sneak to the bathroom because he says, uh, the doctor says, give me a sample, and gives him the smallest glass vial I've well, ever seen. I'm just like, right. what? I understand that you don't carry a sample cup on you, maybe, but how is he going to... Anyways, so, and then, of course, he crashes into Lucy on his way to the bathroom with a Flesh World magazine, and she gets mad. And then he comes out and then drops it and kicks it across the room. It's like this whole thing. Well, he's always been the comic relief from, you know, nearly shooting everyone at one point, you know, with his gun that drops or misfires or whatever. uh, That ridiculous dance he does when he hits himself on the head of the plank. Some of that plays okay. Some of it looks really dumb. It's just, it it was a lot. And it went on and on and on. Like the plank of the head thing, that just went on and going, okay. But it kept going in the background too, because then we see Cooper and Truman, they're talking about uh, the judges. The the judge is going to come in. Um, So they have a traveling judge. They don't even have a person who's there full time, which means, has there been a warrant? Nope. <laughs> Not at any point in this entire series have we had a warrant. And he travels the circuit in a Winnebago. So he'll be he'll be at uh in later. And then Andy is doo 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 in the background, just stumbling and crawling around looking for his sample under the chairs. And they ask <sighs> He's like comic relief in an over exaggerated and over pronounced way. Yeah, I, I I expect for him to have like a full on deputy dog head right. at some point. Like he's gonna go full cartoon, so he's like digging around under the chairs, and Cooper's like, "Where did you get that?" And he's like, "Please don't make me tell you." And of course, Cooper is not talking about whatever is in the jar that he's looking for. He's asking about his boots uh, because Andy is wearing uh, the same kind of boots that they found in Leo Johnson's house. They used to hide the drugs. Right. So it ties back to the, the one-armed man. Well, tying back to Phil Gerard, the one-armed man. So once again, they must find the one-armed man. It's an ongoing theme. And then we go up to the Great Northern, and we see a young woman of color taking initiative and trying to get Ben Horn's attention because she has news, or she's heard news, that there is going to be travel writer M.T. Wentz 
visiting Twin Peaks and that his review can make or break any location. So Ben wants hourly updates. This is the first time we've ever seen this employee. She gets a lot of screen time, and apparently we're never seeing her again. That's what I found out through some research. So we see her at the end of the episode, and then that's it. And then uh, Ben goes to his office, and Jean Renault, uh, Michael Parks, is waiting for him and shows him a video of Audrey bound and gagged. He says, Ben is mad, and Jean is like, I'm just a messenger. One-Eyed Jax is being run by pickpockets and fools, and he offers his assistance. Ben's like, I already have a partner, and he's like, do you want your daughter back? Like, this is a, a negotiation. Um, he does say he wants, he says he wants cash, and we find out later it's $125,000, and that Cooper is the one to deliver it to One-Eyed Jax, which is in Canada. Mm-hmm. At this point, doesn't Ben say, oh, yeah, he does. Ben's like, that's an FBI agent, because he's pointed them out on the... Right, exactly, on the screen. On the screen. So and there, he, were, there was such clever disguises that they wore. Oh, yes. Uh, the yeah. little wire glasses that he wore. Um, looking so handsome. Audrey loves him even more. And Ben is such a fucking dick, dude. He's like... Damn, language. He is, though, because he's just like, I thought that a negotiation was supposed to be equitable. Right. I'm like, motherfucker, this isn't a negotiation. This is blackmail. Right. He has your daughter. Right, exactly. And your daughter should be fucking worth whatever it is you have to give up. And he says he'll call the next day. Uh, Donna picks up uh, food from double the Double R Diner for a Meals on Wheels run, and she's all fancy. Now, this is nice Donna. This mm. isn't Attitude Donna. So, I don't know what... This is one of those instances where, well, why did you introduce Attitude Donna if she's not going to play a significant part? It's like she had a couple of scenes, and then it was enough of a she catalyst. She might be back. I don't... Yeah, it's... it's enough it's, of a catalyst to make her boyfriend start switching his affections, and then once that's done, she's just back to normal again. Yeah, and it's I, very strange. Hank is like, why are you all dolled up? Because he's gross. And Donna's like, you wouldn't get it. Oh, no. He says, she says, um, I'm, going, uh, I'm meeting somebody mm-hmm. for my run. And he's like, it's all bedpans and shut-ins. And she's like, fuck you. And then takes the, <laughs> takes the food and runs. Uh, and then Norma talks to Hank about the Wentz visit because she got a call from the girl at the right. uh, Great Northern. Hank is super excited. And he's like, I'm going to go get flowers and candles and tablecloths. And I'm like, if you could do all of that, why wouldn't you just do it? Like, I don't understand, like, doing a whole makeover for what sounds like a run to the dollar store. Like, you could totally have done this before. Right, exactly. And then he's like, oh, you should get Ed to tell you if anybody new comes into town. And she's like, Ed? (laughs) Why would I talk to Ed? And it's a little bit awkward. And then she looks so sad, like, I want to talk to Ed. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to Ed. And then we are um, at Harold's house, the orchid grower, and Harold baby grower. baby Sam Waterston. I cannot not see him as like a That's super so young yeah. well, Sam Waterston. I know. You know I this person Sam from somewhere. When he was young, and then I remember this guy. So it's one of those things. It's like watching... Flashback scenes in films where you see a character who's supposed to be yeah, a looper. actor. Right. Where you're like, mm, I know no. what you look like when you were his age. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was round. Huh? No, it's not what you look like. Um, nice so, squint, though. That was a good squint. 
once again, Donna is sitting on the floor. Donna really needs to stop sitting on the floors of people's houses, including her own. Um, it's very unsanitary. So they sort of are having this picnic on the floor, and they toast to Laura in our hearts and memories locked. That's what Harold says. And then Harold proceeds to read from Laura's diary, which is like... I'm not sure that's appropriate. Yeah, there's nothing right about reading a 17-year-old girl's diary out loud Especially on a date. About She's dead. And then that's the thing. Right. It's about big, big men who will take her into their control. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was... And then Donna's like, we should maybe take this to the police. And Harold is like, ah, nope. I've read the co- diary from cover to cover. And there are no solutions in its pages. I'm like, you are not a detective. Right. And you have no Everyone other evidence. In this town is pretending to be a detective, though. That's what this town does. Everyone's like, there's no evidence here. Right. I'm like, mm. so then Ben brings Cooper in and he watches the video. He's way more upset than her dad is <laughs> about the fact that she is. Well, frankly, her dad was expecting this. I guess maybe that's true. Ben says that Cooper and Audrey have a special relationship. Inappropriate and asks Cooper to deliver the money. He doesn't trust you, doesn't trust him, but he has to play along because he wants to get Audrey back safe because he, right. I'm sure he feels guilty. Right, that she called him and tried to contact him. And, and he still hasn't even found that letter right. that he's forgotten about since he was, you know, shot recently. Josie finally comes back, and you are laughing at that scene. Um, she comes in carrying... Just the largest pile of, I swear to God, I was shopping boxes that you've ever seen. Um, It's a real pretty woman situation. She apologizes to Pete for disappearing, and she's like, oh, I'm so glad Catherine was here to deal with everything. Bitch, you know Catherine wasn't here (laughs) to deal with anything. And then Pete's like, has to tell her, oh, she's, she's died in the fire. They haven't found a body. How do you know that she's dead then? This I know. I know. <laughs> uh, and they're going to have a service in a couple days, but they don't even know what they're going to put in the ground. Mm. And I'm like, well, then maybe give it a couple more days. Why is everybody so in a rush in Twin Peaks mm. for a funeral service? I, this, These are not this is practicing the life of this town. Jewish people, as mm. far as I can tell. And I know that they've got a strict... Uh-huh. In the ground in a certain amount of time right. thing. And that's fine. As far as I can tell, though, none of these people that are rushing to get funerals over with are particularly religious of any kind. Right. Then we're back at One Eye Jacks, and we get a very violent scene out of nowhere. Uh, Emery Battis is, he's been knocking Audrey around, right. like clearly. She's so out of it that she doesn't. I mean, they're still, yeah, they're still pumping her full of heroin. She tells um, Jean that Emery has been hitting her. And Jean is like, you'll be fine as long as you're with me. I'll never mistreat you. It's real pimp talk. Like, it really feels like some grooming is happening here. And then just out of nowhere, without even, like, moving, he just shoots Emery in the chest. (laughs) She freaks out and starts bawling understandable even through a heroin haze i know she's got to be like whoop 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 danger this man didn't even blink and shot this other dude i think it's also a reaction to the noise oh i'm sure heroin the sound of a gunshot in closed room in closed room yeah Yeah. no that's you're probably very right so she is terrified let me go back 
We go back to the sheriff's station and we get, I think, maybe my favorite Lucy scene. Like, she's, they're like, what's going on with Lucy? And you just see Lucy, like, she grabs a pen and she goes to write a thing. And, like, clearly the pen isn't working. And she, like, flicks it, like, flings it behind her and then grabs a pencil and then starts to, but the, like, look on her face is the look on, like, every woman's face of, like, I cannot handle <laughs> the stupidity of the people around me another goddamn second <laughs> and she's not the brightest but she's like but she's brighter than these people it, uh, i think that's what she it is. is she also you know is dealing with obviously this pregnancy mm. with this doofus dick <laughs> and this dick <laughs> And um, so then Cooper like goes up and is like, do you need to talk? And she's like, we used to date. Me and Andy used to date. And he's like, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> so they dated for a year and a half. And then she noticed some things about him that she could not abide, including he never exercises. He never washes his car. And he doesn't even own a sports coat. Now, if these are the big three things. You, know, you understand she has very low expectations then. Except, I don't, yeah, I guess. If these are the three things that you need to do, right. I wonder if she ever communicated that to him. Because he could probably do all of these things. Very easily. Very easily. And I bet he does exercise some. I mean, he's not. Obviously not at the pistol range. Well, that's not exercise. Well, I, I would argue that shooting a target is not. We saw a whole segment. On a TV show about how pistol range is a form of exercise. Form. It can be, but that yeah. was a whole, it's a pistol range plus exercise. It wasn't just the pistol range. And then she broke up with him. She needed some me, to, me time. Started dating Dick Tremaine, who, she says, was asinine. But at least he was different. And then when Cooper's like, well, what do you want? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm so sorry, Lucy. <laughs> um, and then uh, Cooper turns to Harry and says, Hey, I've got a thing tonight. Uh, I need one of the very best bookhouse boys. And he's like, I can't tell you what it is. It's better for it to be off the books. Right. And Harry's like, Okay, you've told me what I need to know. You you know what I don't need to know. I'll have somebody there Me that. Where? The Roadhouse. Of course, at the Roadhouse. At 9.30? Yeah, probably. It's always 9.30 at the Roadhouse. Man, you want to find some people doing some illicit shit with some other people? Go to the Roadhouse at 9.30. All of them are in the wrong. Every I single one of them. It's pretty funny how there's just this sort of, the rules of this universe are that, you know, things happen in front of the cops. Clues mean nothing. And it's just, and one of them is, you meet at the Roadhouse at 9.30. At 9.30. Always at 9.30. Right. So then we go back to the double R, and an overweight, bearded stranger in a cowboy hat enters, and Norma is trying to make everything seem fancy. They're, you know, they're tablecloths, and she's like, and we have two specials, um, and he's just like, I want a cheeseburger and fries and a, and a Coke, and then where's the bathroom? And they're like, oh. Um, this is not what they're expecting. No. And then Hank, of course, steals the stranger's wallet because... How you do? He's the slickest. 
and it's not M.T. Wentz, but Daryl Lodwick, the DA, come to town for Leland's hearing because not only do they not have a judge, they don't have a district attorney. I guess they barely have a district, yeah. so it makes some sense. But it's just like, ooh. Um, and then at another booth at the diner, Donna and Maddie are there, and Maddie is just like, please don't be mad at me, and Donna's like, I'm not mad. She's super mad. And she's smoking again. So we got bitch Donna in the house. When she got to deal with another bitch, she gets bitchy. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe I've got a weird <laughs> secret person. You've been possessed by Bob. She asks Maddie for help retrieving Laura's diary from Harold. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they were going to do the same thing that they did to the uh, the doc, Dr. Mm-hmm. Jacoby. She's like, if Laura did have a secret diary and Harold's, uh, and Harold's got it, I'm going to get it with or without you. Tell that to Jane. Nuff, nuff, nuff. So upset. Such a teenager. That is where it's most clear that these are teenagers, with yeah. that weird love triangle. And then oh, we have that weird scene with Harry and Josie. So Harry asked um, Cooper if he could talk to Josie first, because he's like, no, she's my boo, and she did not tell me she was going out of town. What is happening? And so Cooper's like, I mean, yeah, you get, go ahead and talk to her. She gets super like, I was in Seattle. Why do you think I'm lying to you? Look at this expensive thing that I just bought. And it's a negligee. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Then he asked, she asked him to tear it off of her. It's really Which nice. is really, I wonder if that was any influence on the scene in, um, what's the film? I don't know. With um, Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. Oh, um, Lost in Translation. Lost in Translation, the scene with the maybe Japanese prostitute in the hotel. Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember that movie very well. Who's, there's a language barrier in her English, and she's trying to seduce him, and she keeps saying, lip my stocking, lip my dress. And oh. Like, lip? What does it mean? And like, oh, jeez. That just feels... Thing. Yes, for quite a while, but it reminded me of that scene, whether or not it influenced it, because it was very much this kind of distraction. Don't ask me where I got these uh, these expensive dresses. By the way, don't you want to have sex now? Rip yeah, right. Clothes. And I need you. I need you. I need right. you. Rip it. Tear it. Bite right. me. I don't know. I don't think she said bite me. Somebody said that in one cable. of the shows that I've watched recently. Anyways, so as they're like getting down on the couch, uh-huh. and Harry's just like... I mean, I guess I'm just going to go with it. There's a creepy Asian dude watching through the window. <laughs> Unacceptable. Is that? Okay. Anyways, we'll find out. It's not time. the same person who showed up in disguise. It is not. No. no. Tell, because it's obviously it's somebody in a great deal of a lot of hair pieces. Yeah. It could be the Japanese wolfman, I think. Is what it so um, <laughs> so the, then the and the and you start seeing at that scene that the, mm-hmm. there's rain starting. Right. And now there's a huge storm going on. And Judge enters the station house. And he gives Lucy a hug. And, and Harry is just coming in, too. So he's wrapped up his meeting with Josie. Um, and he says... Um, that he can tell that she's got trouble of the female kind. And then she goes off to do her donut duty or whatever it is yeah. she does at 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> I don't know why she's there all of the time. The judge has some sort of dishy assistant. We haven't just, seen her yet, so that's does, why I haven't mentioned okay. her yet. Um, How much have you seen her by this point? You only see her at the very end. Okay. 
Harry introduces Cooper to the judge. Uh, the judge asks, how do you find our little corner of the world? And Coop says it's heaven. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, this week, heaven includes multiple homicides, arson, and the attempt on the, a life of a federal agent. And Cooper responds, well, heaven is large and interesting place, sir. And then at the same time, Dick Tremaine comes to the uh, police station. And it's going to be, it's nighttime. Right. I mean, it's between 6 and 9.30. Nothing to do. I guess maybe. And, well, him, he had to get off work. And um, he says, oh, I had to come back and do the right thing. And she's like, you did? And he's like, yeah, here's some cash. We'll get rid of the kid. To take care of your problem. Um, And then she is pissed. Um, And she says, you need to leave or I'll scream and never talk to me ever, ever, ever again. I have a question then. Um, Andy is uh, trying to get another sperm sample. Um, Andy does not know that he she had this relationship with Right, but what I'm saying is that Andy is trying to get the sperm sample to prove that he might be the father. Of I believe that that okay. is correct, yeah. So That's my understanding, because yeah. they haven't talked. Right. Um, so I think he's still... Because she huffs and runs away right. when he's like, uh, I can't make babies. Well, but I think that he's he's bound for accomplishment. I think he'll probably be the most spectacular of the Dorman Award winners oh, at some point he'll in the future. Be, I bet he'd make a good dad. <laughs> Better than this jackass. Well, yes, the fact that this... Yeah, I, 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 I like the character just as a comic relief, but um, no, I would never want to meet this person in real life. There's uh, a lot of people on Twin Peaks. And then... Um, we we get Leland um, coming in to meet with the judge. That's what the judge is there for. Um, but the prosecutor's not there. So uh, District Attorney Ina Cheeseburger at the Double R not made it over yet. Mm. Um, and now the judge has a long uh, experience with Leland because Leland is an attorney. Mm. So he's no doubt met with the judge many times. And so the judge offers his condolences, um, and since there isn't uh, a prosecutor, they agree that he, it's it's fine if he stays in jail overnight, and they'll do this tomorrow, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we get Sid, um, the uh, law clerk that he travels in the Winnebago with. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to go. She comes and picks him up, and then they're going to go. make a reappearance, uh, reappearance? I don't know the answer to that. Right. It's just very odd that you have them comment and, you know, uh, on her. But that's the way the show is. Characters just drop in. You really thought that, um, I keep forgetting the name of the kid who plays the jerk. Who's Bobby? Bobby. His, no, Mike. His friend, his friend Mike, yeah. Just who was Donna's boyfriend until yeah. the beginning of the series. Right. At which point she jumps him and we never see him again. Right, exactly. But he was made out to be an important character in the beginning and then he just gone. And it, the, when people refer to Bobby, they refer to Bobby and Mike. Right. It's thought that both of them are doing things, but we haven't seen him in since the third episode, maybe? Yeah. 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 Way for that. So then we go to the Great Northern. There's a bunch of ladies in sashes and bathing suits because apparently there's a beauty contest going on. Um... And Ben has to see to them himself because, you know, he's the proprietor. Gross. Um, and then the hotel clerk checks in a mysterious stranger, a Japanese man named Mr. Tojimura, with long hair and a thick accent. 
and by long I mean fake. Like it's mm-hmm. super, like it's yeah. fake. Also, I think the mustache is fake. And I she see. thinks that it's N.T. Wentz. She thinks okay. that this is the right. the food uh, critic. The food critic. And so she calls the double R to give him the heads up that this is who you should be expecting. Um, and then Josie uh, introduces the man who had just watched her have sex through the window <laughs> to Pete up at their house um, as her cousin Jonathan. Um, and then when Pete leaves the room, Jonathan tells Josie that with the sale of the mill and her collection of the insurance money, her business in Twin Peaks is almost done and she's expected back in Hong Kong. Um at the request of someone named Mr. Eckhart. And she says they may have a problem with Hank Jennings, who now seems to want even more than what they've already mm-hmm. given him for the uh, killing of Andrew, um, and is starting to make trouble for her. This man who she introduces, is he Japanese? He's uh, of Asian descent. I'm, yeah, I'm just, I don't think she's Japanese. No, Why she's would... not supposed to be, I don't think, if she's coming from I, and. And he's from Hong Kong too. Does he seem? Is he I, a Japanese man? I don't know. Like the actor, I'm just maybe. Very curious about the the sort of. Oh, because of the fight. Right. Yeah. No, I think that they are doing. I think that they are meant to both be Chinese. Right. Um, and then the name of the. Uh, right, which is a Japanese name. Right. So, a separate piece, of what we don't know. He might be that restaurant critic. Oh, my see, but no, it's possible. I don't think that, yeah, Mr. Wentz would go undercover as Mr. Tojimura. <laughs> That's a, although, Unless that, he is an Asian hair, man. I don't know. He might be an Asian person. Um, and then Cooper goes to the roadhouse to meet the bookhouse boy that he requested. And it's Harry. Of course it is. Right. Harry's like, I've got your back, bro. <laughs> um, and then... Um, Harry asks if they're in any particular hurry and Cooper says let me buy you a beer so apparently not even though you know yeah kinda they're so cute they romance and real hard and then at the double R um, Hank comes out if the doors are closed everything's mm. locked up and there's banging on the front door or it, there's banging in the front of the store, and Hank comes out because I guess he sleeps in the back, or maybe they sleep upstairs. Um, it's really unclear, mm-hmm. but he, it seems to be just Hank. And then Jonathan has broken in, and then they fight, 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 fight. And Hank does a kick that looks so wrong. Um, <laughs> okay, so that was one of the things that struck me. The Jonathan, I guess, right? The character who breaks in mm-hmm. seems to be doing some form of Aiki, Aikido or Aiki Jujutsu. He's doing moves that I recognize, Irme and uh, Kotegayashi. He's doing them really well. Hank is flailing around like a fish, Hank, and he does a kick that looks like kick that looks like he learned it from a cheerleader. It also it looks like so if this man uh-huh. in the middle of the night did this kick at that height, right. he would have pulled every muscle between his knees. And his nipples, right. like just all this. You think groined hair? You ain't seen nothing I, that's yet. That's the first thing that like, came to mind when I watched it. Like, I don't know what he, what fight he thought he was in where this would work. Um, and, and and then he does, but he clearly does. He gets his ass hit kicked. Right. And at some at one point, 
he gets knocked down and he's just like, I'm going to just be yeah, down he here for a little a while. Like, there's no way. Um, but uh, but it, was, it was very funny. I thought it was very well done. At the same time, it's very much his move reminded me of the... Uh, the uh, punch in the face that Miguel Ferreira gets early in the first season where this guy just draws back really far. Yes. It just, it was so exaggerated. I was like, dude, all you had to move your face was six inches. You saw that fist coming at you. Get out of the way. So yes, this is not a a good example of that. So Hank is his ass kicked. He doesn't get killed. Right. He does get forced to become a blood brother, whatever that means. Yes, that's right. He cut his thumb, and he, he basically he has done to him mm-hmm. what he had done to Josie. Right. In that weird scene. Only after getting knocked down several times, and it's actually yeah. that part was well staged. But yes, that one. I don't know what that was. So it, sad for the double R. It was yeah. looking so fancy, and now it's going to be all mushed. Um, and that's the end of the episode. We didn't get anywhere. Yeah. And I'm just like, guys. What are we doing mid-season malaise? I, like, it's rough going here. Well, now, television programs, again, I've defended on these grounds that they often move at a much slower pace. If you were to sit down and watch an action show like Starsky and Hutch, you would probably be bored out of your mind. Oh, sad. Um, but it was something that we had, and it's, it was things like Vegas and SWAT, they were all really artificial. Mm. There was a lot of macho posturing. It just wouldn't fly a lot of it nowadays. Watching this from, I guess, how many years ago was it now? 1990, so right. 27, 28 years? Yeah. 28, a, 27 and a half it, years? It has a slower pace. It's, um, But remember, this was breaking new ground for television at the time. So, yeah, something that you probably, you're going to have a hard time adjusting to it for modern television where things are moving much faster. Is that much, what it is? is there, but I just feel like, yeah, I'm not getting much. I'm just not getting much. Yeah. Um, if you want to do a full episode of character development, awesome. Right. If you want to do a full episode of moving any one of the pieces of the storylines forward, awesome. I don't really feel like we did anything. In this well, the character development here, it seems like instead of developing the character internally, they're having them run through a set of paces. Like, there's certain things that have to be done per episode or a certain number of, um, of dramatic beats they want to hit, even if it makes no sense for the character. Yeah. So it's not like the characters are actually doing anything. They're, they're suddenly, they're singing together, or suddenly they're, you know... It, and I guess we're planning on, gonna we're going to be going into an action-packed mm-hmm. thing. Right. Presumably, Cooper and Truman are going to get Audrey back, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the plan. Right, I wanted to even see, though they're in a no hurry. Apparently. I really wanted to see and can be um, drinking beforehand. What's guys? his name? I wanted to see a Cooper use his or Kyle McLaughlin use his martial arts skills. Did he have them then? Yes, at the time he was oh, okay. training very seriously, especially when he was doing Dune. He was working with a, a great instructor, um, who also taught. Incidentally, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger used a sword in Conan the Barbarian. Oh, interesting. Uh, Yamasaki, I think it was. And he was working out with him all the time and doing the knife fighting in Dune. And, and also, uh, he had a brown belt. So, um, Oh, wow, okay. So he of, has, yeah, like, legit... Right, he has a legit background. And so I wanted to see... Um, the same way that I told you, I, I was really happy when The Defenders was out. 
because we got to see um, Sigourney Weaver finally use her martial arts skills. Oh, that she had gotten yeah, however long ago. Years ago. And that she's, you know, actively uh, pursued karate and to see her do something, which was fun. Cause like, oh, there, she finally gets to put it to use. Dun, dun, dun. So, yeah, so I was just looking at what's coming up. Mm-hmm. We've got three more episodes. We've got episode 13, The Orchid's Curse. Oh, my gosh, that sounds so... Episode 14, Demons. Very sex rumor. And episode 15, Lonely Souls. And that's where we find out the true identity of the killer. The killer. So, um, and then... And then we're going to wrap them up. And then we're going to... Yeah. So, and I don't know if I'm going to come back and watch more Twin Peaks. I think it's been a difficult one for you. Yeah, that's accurate. I think it's been... It's just, it's not at all your thing. And you have a trouble with the actual filmmaker himself, so that was going to, yeah, that was, it was bound to give me trouble. But um, it's been an interesting experience, and I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of where I was at the time. And that's been interesting, too, as an exercise, just where was I when this was on? Yeah. What was I doing? Where was, you know, at what point would this have influenced my life had I seen it? Yeah, what were you, 21? Uh, yes, I guess so. I was working at Holmes Book Company, a haunted bookstore, and making the first uh, my first adult friends, really. I thought you were going to say adult film, and I was no, like, no, what? I, I was making student film. <laughs> and David Lynch was a huge deal back then. Yeah, no, of course. And he's still a huge deal. He's a huge deal, but in a way that it was, there were people who were not film buffs who were waiting to see what his next thing was. Interesting, okay. But um, I think that's a Tarantino thing now. I right. think that there's always going to be the, the the hot new director, and I'm glad I, I haven't seen any of David Lynch's stuff for a while, so I'm I'm kind of curious to see some of his modern stuff to see where he's changed his style of filmmaking. So, what have you watched of his? You've seen Dune. I've seen Blue Velvet. I've seen The Elephant Man, which I think is just that on I want to see. I beautiful film. Feel like that is a movie that yeah. I would enjoy. It is, but it's. Is harsh and it's heartbreaking and it has everything going for it and it's in black and white, which is even better for me. Um, I was hoping it won the Academy Award, but it did not. It, uh, let's see what Because um, I'm like, oh, could it be one of the things we're about to watch? Um, I watched and gave up on Eraserhead. There were things in there that were just too... And that was his very first thing, it says. Well, Eraserhead. Well, and um, let's see. Then The Elephant Man, then Dune. Right. Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet. Wild at Heart. Which I saw, which was a little bit too much for me. Then Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me was his next film. Uh-huh. Lost Highway. Which I saw. The Straight Story. I don't know what that is, actually. That's actually a really... That might be a, more of a David Lynch for you, because it covers rural folk, but with a, a gentler eye. And oh, that's the one with... Richard Farnsworth. Richard Farnsworth, yeah. and he was, like, literally dying when yeah. they were making that movie. Yeah. I don't think I could watch that movie because I think oh, I just cry all the way through it. Gables. That was I too know he for was me, so. he was amazing, but then to know right. that he was like legitimately suffering during yeah. the making of well, his movie. Listening to Glenn Campbell sing his last set of songs, yeah, and knowing that what was the song "I Won't Miss You." Oh yeah, that was 
too much for me because I remember when he was huge and I'm like, oh God, no, I don't think I can do this. Even people who are peripheral to your experience growing up, you kind of have this respect for them as adults. And then you see them just falling to pieces like this. Yeah, it's, it's hard to take. A G rating. The only David Lynch film to receive. Now, what was the film afterwards? I actually liked and his then, film, Jonah Watts. Uh, Mulholland Drive. Which I really appreciated, but that Which was I a, forgot it was Naomi Watts. I right. like her very much. Which was a film that you literally have to put together after it's done. And uh, then I think the same with the next one, which was um, Inland Empire. Which I've never seen. Um, Production company, Absurdia, or Absurda. Well... Thanks for the, the uh, warning, I guess. Okay. Marked the uh, label. Yeah, so that, that and that's all of his features. So mm. I didn't realize he did the straight story. Yeah. Oh, Richard Farnsworth. His sons are still working as stuntmen, I think. He started as a stuntman. Oh, yeah. And he had a, a roadmap for a face, and so it's great. Yeah, he had him. an amazing face. He did a Canadian film called The Gray Fox, which gave him a lead. As, and it was a great role. It was. Was he Canadian? Because Anne of Green Gables was a Canadian. He was playing well. a bank robber who gets released after many, many years into the age of well, the death of the Old West. Okay. So he's a guy who robs trains, and he's released in his sixties, and he doesn't know anything else to do right. except to rob trains, and that was really good. And then, of course, I think Anne of Green Gables was after that, so he built up the uh, the natural. He's very good. Nope, American. Um, Born in Los Angeles, California in uh, 1920. 1920. That's bananas. Started working at the age of 17. Mm. Yeah. Good for him. Um, Oh, I'm so sad. All right. Oh, I forgot. What? How he passed. How did he pass? He, after suffering from metastatic prostate cancer, he Uh, shot himself uh, because we couldn't give him a dignified way out. Way to go, America. (laughs) Sorry, that's going to be my little political aside for the day. Um, That's a shame. He was excellent. So good. So, so, so good. Um, Do you have any positives, anything to recommend this week? Well, I can tell you what I'm looking forward to. What are you looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Cloverfield Paradox. Yes! So, once again, Super Bowl Sunday, uh-huh. and we just found out that Netflix is dropping that, like right now, it's going to really be on right Netflix now. Which I'm actually really what Netflix is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I had the experience last week of watching a movie I really didn't care for, and then following it with a better example of the same thing. Um, and the movie was the uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99. Was that what it was called? Um, you were, we were wondering what it was called. Yeah. Um, which is a movie that I really wanted to like because I liked the director's other film, Bone Tomahawk. Oh, it's so good. Um, so violent. Oh, really, really violent. And this film was also similarly violent, but it was just... I keep thinking that it was written for somebody else and not Vince Vaughn. I think most things should be written for somebody else and not Vince Vaughn. Well, he's I don't playing, care for Vince Vaughn. He's playing a um, like an out of uh, an unemployed. Uh, I guess he's a mechanic, 
and he winds up um, supporting his family and his uh, uh, his wife and his uh, later his unborn child by becoming a drug mule and then runs into as he's working with his uh, drug mule uh, drug uh, dealer he winds up um, running afoul of a, I believe it's supposed to be a Mexican or Latin American cartel and being put in prison his wife is kidnapped and there's a, a threat to kill his unborn child if he doesn't uh, comply with assassinating this person in jail and so the beginning of the film there's you have some sort of compassion for his situation and you want to feel for him but midway through the movie he becomes a superhuman character who fights off armies of mostly black and hispanic drug lords do you recall his character's name um bradley thomas is what i'm getting do you know that in the IMDb, uh -huh. he's not credited? Vince Vaughn is not credited? Well, he shouldn't have been credited by the director either, but there you Rude. go. Rude. Well, no, there's, <laughs> there's scenes in this film, like, for instance, there's a character who wants to get him into the boxing program and is um, at his uh, prison, and he doesn't want to do it. We're suddenly introduced to the fact that he's a boxer who hurt somebody in the ring, which we did not know about for the first half hour of this movie. Um, and at this point, we've always seen Vince Vaughn naked. I don't want to. He's my age, I think. So older than that. I think he's older than he's you. He's a fit, but not terribly physical guy. And I big. Mean, very very big. Oh, there five. he is. He's all the way down here. He's like um, third from the bottom or something. It's crazy. But So he's very tall, but he's not so... At one point, the character who is trying to recruit him is saying, well, is all that muscle for show? And you're like, oh, you've just seen him naked. He has all that muscle. That's, muscle. A, that's a thing that you say to The Rock. Right. That's not a thing say that you to, say to Vince Vaughn. And it's almost as if at that point I'm going, why would you have a middle-aged man join your boxing program? Why do you think that he's some sort of hulking muscle-bound character when we've just seen him naked and he obviously isn't? Um, so it felt almost like it was written for somebody else. This is a movie for a young Dolph Lundgren or a Jean-Claude Van Damme. This is not a movie for Vince Vaughn. And his kind of constant fight scenes kind of prove that. He has all the physical grace of a giraffe, um, you know, trying to drink water. Oh, so, um, they do a good job. Yeah, but you've seen what a giraffe has to do to drink water. So there's this kind of gracelessness. And the fact that he apparently survives blows that would cripple human beings. And then it comes into this very, you know, there's this weird element of he's a skinhead with a tattoo on the back of his head. Um, yeah, a big and, cross. And with barbed wire, I think, around it. So there's a sort of a skinhead element to it. Like here's, I don't you know, the underprivileged white guy rising to this. And it, there's, there's a, a red state fantasy element to this okay. movie that's very kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. And I contrasted that the same weekend to watching The Punisher, which is it's so good. just as violent. But here's a human well, character. The last six episodes are so good. <laughs> Well, the thing is, it's a slow burn. It is. And Until it isn't. That's the then, thing. Right. It is sort of like what light, lighting a very long fuse and then just being like, how many episodes? Until something explodes. Right. And there is stuff that happens in every episode. But yeah, it is. It was rough going, those first few episodes. 
But I could tell it was going somewhere. And John Berenthal is really, really good. There's a guy who actually physically can look like he can pull off his action. Yes. Um, also, clearly a man who's had his face broken. Yes. He, he is. I-R-L. That must, nose has definitely been broken. Very much like these the old Jack, kind of Jack Kirby faces. These pug faces he used to draw in comic books for villains uh, back in the day. But there was a... It was just as violent, and there's horrible things. There's a scene involving a hand grenade, which I won't go into, when it's yeah. being put into a, a human head and thrown at somebody. But at the same time, he's playing somebody who's human, who gets sort of banged up a lot over the course of the film. He almost dies twice. Oof, he's a method actor. Oh, God, that must have been a nightmare for him then. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and so I was watching the same sort of material done so much better. mm uh, for Netflix, and so I appreciated the fact that they went with, they went with, um, you know, uh, a set of characters. The character playing Micro, or the the actor playing Micro. He's so um, good. I really liked him. The CIA analyst who's faked his death and got undercover. NSA. NSA. I'm sorry. Um, who's spoilers? Really... Spoilers. Well, but that's very early on. It in the is. Story. Yeah, really... it is. And his uh. His kind of pathetic attempts to monitor his children by having cameras placed all over his house, and there's some really great dramatic cues there. And then um, the uh, woman from the Department of Homeland Security, who's played by, mm-hmm. and or she's an Iranian American character, and even having her in this film was something. And so it played everything right, whereas the other film played everything into this kind of uh, politically lubricated kind of. Um, fantasy about, you know, a guy, and Vince Vaughn apparently is doing Elvis in this movie. That accent is not very convincing. And how he, uh, you know, makes a superhuman effort to rid the world of uh, very ethnic type drug dealers. And I think the point where I really got offended was the only villains in this film really are the Hispanic drug dealer, the black prison guards, even though they're not particularly villainous. Um, but the they're the villain to our drug hero. Representative is European, and the man who's going to perform a sort of horrible abortion on Vince Vaughn's character's wife is a very kind of almost effeminate Japanese character in a suit. So it's just all life. the people of color are the well, danger. Not just that, but also the sort of Asian sadism thing, which is a oh, thing yeah. that goes all the way back to Fu Manchu, for God's sakes. And so that one really needs to be done, you know. Yeah. Uh, even in films I've liked, I liked Everly, but there was a moment with the, the Japanese sadist who tortures people. Um, it's just like that, really. So yeah. you're recommending The Punisher and, and looking forward to Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we just found out that Cloverfield is going to be on tonight, so yeah, tonight. we are going to watch this it what tonight. I'm next. We will not be late. No. We will be just on time. On time. Um, what do I want to recommend? I've seen two movies this weekend, and I enjoyed watching both of them. <laughs> are both movies you relate to? Right? Uh, no. So, what? What? They're both movies you relate to. You didn't see them in the theater, so you didn't. No, I did not see them in the theater. So, yeah. Oh, relate to. Right. I thought you said relate to. Yeah. I was like, what? No. So I watched the latest uh, Fast movie, or mm-hmm. Furious movie. Furious. I was furious about um, that. Yeah, they could have stopped at seven. 
I know they're going to 10, and also a Hobbes movie, and also Tyrese is having a full-on breakdown. If you want more information on that, you should listen to The Read. I like those movies. I saw the very first one in the theater in 2001 or whenever it was um, when I was in college mm-hmm. with my best friends. So it was super fun. I've seen almost all of them in the theater. Did not see this one in the theater. Glad I did not I see this one in the theater. I saw one with you in the theater. Yes. And you dragged me in on the pretense. Because they're fun. That both Tony, was it Tony John and Ronda Rousey? Were the, yeah, was this yeah. my last? It must have been the last one. Yeah. Good fighting in that one. A lot of martial arts in that one. I like it. Yes. Um, yeah, this one. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something I mentioned when we watched the film is that it lifted the plot directly from Thunderball. So, oh, which I didn't know because yeah. I don't... My entire knowledge of James Bond is Daniel Craig. Right. So I don't have any and reference to prior... read the books right. as well. So it's like I have an extensive knowledge. But what bothered me is, again, I was watching a James Bond movie with the Fast and Furious characters. Oh, so I'm kind of okay with that. with street racers and we're not going to... Yeah, no, they're full-on spies. It's this whole thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. It's it's gotten so this fantastic. many this many heists don't involve that many drivers, but that's. I fine. think they're going into space because I really don't believe. I do one hundred percent believe that ten is going to be in space. Right. And Vin Diesel has sort of uh, leaned into that speculation, so who knows if it's true well, or Vin not? Vin Diesel is he's an interesting actor. I wish he could have done more acting. Because he's a good actor. I he saw can't. Boiler Room. Yes, he was great good. in Boiler Room. And he was good in that movie where he was uh, an attorney. Which I don't remember. Uh, but he, one thing that we observed when we are watching this movie is that he has, in these films, no sense of humor about himself. Oh, no. Which is where The Rock. Wow. Dwayne. Dwayne Johnson. Doing does a great job of realizing that he is a giant and he's ridiculous. Yes, he is a ridiculous figure. Right. He carves a ridiculous figure. Right, and he so. leans into that ridiculousness. And he can. Because. He can sell that really well. He can. He's oh, eminently watchable. Right. So good. Did we, we said we liked Jumanji, right? right? Yes. Well, I think to me there's one scene that really stood out. And it had nothing. It was not an action scene. But I really loved. My favorite scene in the movie is where he's coaching his daughter's soccer team. It was great. That was the best part. And they did a full-on Maori haka. Right. It was... And terrified the opposing team. That the was best. really great. I love the fact that they went there because what you have is a really poly-ethnic leading man. Yeah. And you don't see that many Mm-mm. Polynesian leading men, period. Nope. I mean, you kind of have a half... Like, uh, Russell Crowe has some Maori in him. Yeah, but he, but quote, passes for white and right. plays Caucasian right. most of the but time. But you have this gigantic human being. Yes. Um, like a cartoon of a man. Right. Uh, whose father, assault, whose grandfather, as a matter of fact, is very famous for, and you only live twice, judo throwing around Sean Connery. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, I did not know that. one of the, the, the Bond villains. Um, but, uh, yeah, and he's just, he's so able to, like, as you said, the, what was the other film that we watched, his arm isn't a cast, and that film, that say, so that's Fast he, 7, he, he, the cast by he just his flexes out of the cast, 
Why was he even in the hospital all that time? Uh, it was the explosion that happened after his fight with Jason Statham. No, I, no, no, no. I know why he was put in the hospital. Right. But he was in the hospital for like a third of that movie. Right. Or two-thirds of that movie, I guess, until the very end. Right. Why were they keeping him? Well, I think He's because fine. you have all of these characters. They needed in him film. in a place, and I guess. Even, uh, what's his name? Tyrese, right? Even he has an action scene here where he finally stops getting to be whiny and does some serious action he stuff. He does, yeah. And I think maybe it's because his job in these movies is to say, we can't do that, and basically make a fool of I'm himself. a scurred! Right, so yeah. it was his job oh, in this well, scene to, what a mess. to actually be able to pull off some action stuff so you realize, oh, okay, there's a reason why he's a part yeah. of this team. So that movie is fine. And if it's on, like, if you have HBO... Yeah. And a couple of hours to kill. Right. Watch that movie. Charlize Theron, by the way, is terrible in it. Well, she's terrible for she's, being who she is. She's yes, I guess if I it mean, was somebody else doing that role and fine. was that exact thing, right. it would be fine. Everybody's chewing the scenery. Charlize Theron is ter- terrible in this movie. Go be in the Mad Max movies. You're way, way, be- way, way, well, way, way, way better. Do. I think th- these movies. It's, it's but so movie. I don't want to focus on that one. Right. So. So then, I, the other movie that I watched, mm-hmm. which you were not here for, right. I watched that last night, was Gifted. Okay. It's got Chris Evans and Octavia Spencer and an adorable little girl whose name I do not know. Um, and I watched a movie that I wanted to make me cry and it super made me cry. So, mission accomplished. There you go. Um, Starring Captain America. Her name is McKenna Grace. Okay. The little girl's name is McKenna Grace. Starring Captain America. I think... Oh, it's so hard. There's this ongoing who's the best Chris thing. Mm-hmm. We've got a Pine. We've got a Hemsworth. We've got an Evans. We've got a Pratt. I love all of them. Chris Evans might be my favorite, though. Because in real life, from what I've heard, mm-hmm. he's extremely funny. He was dating Jenny Slade for a little while, which I think is amazing, Mm -hmm. because Jenny Slade is beautiful, but also a normal-ass comedian. Like, she's just a normal person, Mm -hmm. and he is Captain Captain America. And then he's been on episodes of Doug Loves Movies and is super funny, Mm -hmm. like, legitimately not on script funny. And in a movie like this, he was so sweet and good, and I really liked it. You know, he's considering leaving acting, yeah? Oh, everyone is considering leaving acting. I well, did not know that. if you had to fit into that suit, you'd probably think about it twice, too. Yeah. He's, he's just... I, I look forward to Marvel completing the cycle that they're doing. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I will be watching all of these movies. Give me all the Black Panther. Give it to me now. But I want him to go be a movie star. I want him to be George Clooney. I think mm-hmm. he could do it. I think he has the gravitas to pull off acting. This is... People underestimate how hard some of these movies are. It is very hard to step into the boots of a character like Captain America. Oh, 100%. Because this is a guy who, I mean... You have to be believable and guileless at the same time. And that's what the element that he really brings to it, guileless. Like, he really believes... Mm -hmm. That's a hard thing to do. He's shooter, which is... I can understand Henry Cavill having a similar problem with Superman. You have to play somebody who is just the straightest shooter in the entire world. And Captain America is the straight shooter, and that's what makes him really good in those Avengers films. Yeah. Because 
he's the center for Robert Downey's kind of snarkiness and all the sort of emo that's going on. There's a, somebody has to hold them all together, and he does it really right. well. Yeah, no, he's very, very good. And I think, I'm trying to think uh, if I've ever seen him in a thing where I was like, oh, no. Because I've seen all of the other Chris's in a thing where I was like, oh, no, don't do Chris that. Chris Hemsworth, what was the year Oh No movie for Chris Hemsworth? Uh, maybe the Huntsman movie. Probably oh, not God, the first yeah. Huntsman. I actually didn't hate the first one, but Winter's War was is rough going. I didn't, I, for the life of me, I did not understand that movie at all. I. But it, then he also does really great stuff, like Heaven in the Woods, so, yeah. so good. I had my problems with that movie, obviously. But right, but him in that he movie, that he was so good in that movie. Um, well, he has something that I don't, you haven't seen, I think, which is Errol Flynn. Yeah, he's, is, that's he, not my, yeah. But if you'd seen Robin Hood or you'd seen Captain Blood, there was a kind of this rogue charm thing that he did really well. Okay. And I think that Chris Hemsworth has that. This kind of smile and overlook everything he does, which I wish that he would do a little bit more of the kind of uncomfortable, like using that to purposes, right? Um, to ends that aren't necessarily ones that were flattering. I'd like to see him do that, but again, I come from an age of leading men. Oh, right. He also played the Human Torch in the right. in the bad. Which one did? Uh, Evans. Okay, Evans. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, so, yeah, I guess they all have their own... Mm, it mm. wasn't bad, and he did actually, if you read the comic books growing up, he did a very creditable job of playing that guy. Yeah. But I think the Captain America was really much better, and it's a harder part. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's 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 fun. And he's great, like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Snowpiercer, he was so good in. Yes, which is a film I really, really like. So... Yeah, I, I I I do like Chris Evans, but I, I and Gifted is a small movie. Mm-hmm. It's got Octavia Spencer, and she can bring light to anything. I really really mm-hmm. love her so much, um, and yeah, it's gonna make you cry. Okay, I'll take your word. Is it about an adorable girl who loves math? I don't believe that exists, but yeah. Well, math. It's a movie. People who do you believe that Captain America exists? More than uh, that, people who. I love math can be trusted. I love math. I oh, is this the end of our friendship? So I'm gonna. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Also, a word person. Yes, but I was a math person first. I I try not to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that. Although I do have you do the tip every time we go to a restaurant. Yes, you do. So I am a math person. You are kind of a math person. All right. I think that brings us to the end. All right. So thank you so much for listening. Um, Thanks for. Getting, c- coming we're, to this we're last the end of Twin Peaks. little bit of Twin Peaks with mm. us. Um, if you like us, please subscribe on iTunes um, or Google Play or anywhere you get your fine podcasts. Um, you could leave us a rating. That would be amazing. Uh, if you have any tips, concerns, anything, please you give like us. the sound of my voice. Well, that's not going to help be a helpful uh, constructive criticism. Constructive. Please. Um, voice. Feel free to write us on Twitter at latecomerspod, or uh, you can email us at uh, latecomerspod at gmail dot com. Uh, I am at Amity Armstrong on Twitter. Amity Armstrong. I am also at Armstrong dot com. You can find me there. Yes, that's it's a very distinctive name. name. Well, half of it is. Um, 
And I think that brings us, oh, thank you to the Freak Fandango Orchestra for our theme song, Late As Usual. And I think that brings us to the very end. Okay, we'll see you next time. And remember, better late than never. You didn't say it. Rude.